Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. All right, I'm going to throw it over to our special guest today. In a few sentences, can you tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Saveri Joshapura. I am currently a new grad from UC San Diego. I studied data science and I am currently working at Cognizant. And um, my role is currently a data analyst and data engineer. Awesome. And um, a few things I did in the past were like working at Applied Materials in Santa Clara, as well as the Linux Foundation and a startup in San Diego called Alchemy X. Sweet. So um, I'm hearing from some leaders in tech that finding diverse talent is a challenge. Um, it sounds like you got a job right out of UC San Diego. So what are your thoughts about that? Um, I think I was an exception just because um, we were the first graduating class of data science um, for undergraduates. So when recruiters saw that, they were interested immediately. They were very curious um, about having a new data science major. Uh, because this is really common for like a master's or PhD program, but they hadn't heard of data science bachelors. So um, right as we had that conversation with recruiters, they realized that our degree was kind of half computer science and half data science, which uh, was actually very useful. So I wouldn't say it was um, recruiting was the worst thing in the world, but at the same time, um, recruiting diverse talent um, right out of college, I would say is definitely tough. Um, mainly because I feel like the skills you learn in the classroom are not exactly the same as the skills you use in the workforce. And a lot of the times colleges still have this outdated curriculum, which isn't exactly um, useful for students who want to go right into the industry after graduating. Absolutely. So um, what are your thoughts or what do you think about the push to remove the requirement for actual CS degrees from some of the software engineering roles that companies are looking to fill? Yeah, so um, first of all, I think CS background is very useful in any software role. So for example, um, knowledge and like proficiency in Java or whatever language the company requires as well as the tools they require. Um, I don't necessarily think you need a full CS degree um, to be able to function in a job like that. Um, my lab partner, in fact, was, had a political science degree, then jumped into doing data science roles. So um she faced no issue just because she knew the tools and technologies. And these days, there's also so many courses online that kind of play the role in satisfying that requirement. So I think it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Awesome. And I'm glad I'm glad to hear like from someone that's like currently experiencing it, right? So you've just gone yeah. through a CS program. And not that that takes away anything or that's like unnecessary, because I feel like a lot of the skills that you learn throughout a CS degree program are super valuable. It's just mm -hmm. many of them may not kick in right away as you start entering the field, but become more valuable over time as you start getting more autonomy and authority to make more of like the architectural decisions and working on more greenfield projects where kind of you have to take more ownership of everything. And frankly, by then, you might have already absorbed some of those skills just by working alongside of other industry folks. So that said, yeah. what do you think about an apprenticeship pattern? Do you think that would work for tech roles? Um, so personally, if I had to relate this to my life right now, um, I'm currently in this training process for Cognizant. So the first uh, month or so is a training. We get paid still, um, but it's training. And um, 
we have like these instructors that they've hired for different certifications that we are required to get. So for example, it's like Azure, Spark, Hadoop, Kafka, Python, um, all of those tools that they want us to know. And so I, I actually enjoy this because when they're recruiting, they're not looking for our knowledge in these tools. They're saying, okay, I want to see how you think. And if we can train you in a month or so, then we'll hire you. And that actually is more valuable than like testing to see if a candidate has those skills or not. Because for example, you don't know if you'll succeed in a job by just not even applying because you don't have the skills they require. So I think it's a really good pattern. I think a lot of companies should do it. Nice. Yeah. And, and I don't know what percentage of companies have an extended onboarding process, but I'm pretty sure um, having most of the CS programs teaching Java, like Java's prevalent. When I was mm-hmm. going to school, it was, um, I'm going to date myself here. It's Fortran and Tickle TK. So, um, and that wasn't that long ago, but they kind of evolved and I think shifted to Java like slightly, slightly later. And then I think I've just stayed with Java because a lot of the industry still uses it and it's comparable to like C sharp. If you're going to move to a C sharp shop, it's pretty easy to pick that up. Python's mm-hmm. very different. Python's, you know, tool of du jour in the, the data science world. So, but that's not that hard to learn after you've, you know, use Java. So I would have to argue Python is probably the easiest out of the yeah. ones you stated. So Sure. Yeah, for sure. So what advice would you share with companies that are looking to retain diverse staff? Um, to retain diverse staff, I think, well, first to become a staff member. So for example, like a program manager, just even software engineer, you would have to be like you have to you would have to enter the company and before entering the company you have to be a new grad and before being a new grad you have to make it through college right and i think what i've noticed through doing um, a cs or a data science degree is that it's really hard to retain specifically female students um, in a computer science or data science degree because of maybe i i don't know i haven't figured it out yet but maybe just herd mentality or the fact that we are minority, it's just so hard to make it through a degree. We started a computer science class with an equal ratio, 50-50, right? In a class of 400, there were 200 girls, 200 guys. But um, when we graduated, it was not like that at all. I would say in a class of maybe like 60 data science graduates, 10 of us were girls. So the ratio just dramatically changed. And that's because of many factors. But I would say to, re- to hire um, staff that is diverse, um, is going to be a huge, I feel like it's still going to take some time to see that happen. Yeah. And then you eventually get to that critical mass, right? Where you've got enough women inside of the shop where you then feel like it's a safe space and environment where you're seeing yourself reflected in upper management and leadership. And so I feel like to your point, one of the ways that you solve that and retain diverse staff is just having enough diverse staff exactly. as part of the organization, right? So that people feel like this is someplace where I feel comfortable and where I feel well supported, I guess. So exactly. I like that. So who's someone like yourself that you'd like to acknowledge as maybe a leader or someone in tech that you think might be a great uh, guest on a podcast like this? So um, I already mentioned her once in the podcast, but I would say my lab partner throughout college. So she was first um, a political science major with no tech background, but then um, her love for political science um, grew, but she realized she needed a lot of technical knowledge to do what she wanted to do and make changes because tech kind of drives the world today. So she um, added her major, added a data science major. And um, 
she's been a leader in our community, obviously, but also just shown that she's not in this for like the financial benefits, but more so to enhance her passion and um, with like the technical side as well and be able to show the political science majors and everyone in her job and area that this is the power of data right now and like just make bigger impacts. I think she would be a great guest. Awesome. Yeah. I love when we're making political decisions and policy based on facts and numbers and not, um, we'll just call them, um, claims of hoaxes and, you know, all kinds of other malfeasance. Yep. I completely agree. Some data to reason about. So, um, where can we find out more information about your company? And this is a great time to talk about anything that's interesting that you're working on or any shameless plugs that you've got. Um, so, I'm currently still training in Cognizant. And I guess if you want to learn more about the company, you can check out the AI and analytics department at Cognizant. Um, I don't know what projects I'm going to have, but currently um, I think there's a bunch of different domains. So what I'm interested in is like the marketing domain um, within the analytics department. So we'll see how that goes, but um, training is ending in a month or so, and then I'll be placed on a project. So I don't have anything I'm working on currently, um, I can talk about a project that I worked on um, in June for my senior project, which was really interesting. So kind of like background information is that I sing music professionally, like Indian music. So we um, made like a Indian classical music detector uh, through machine learning models. So that was very interesting. And um, it's not exactly final yet because we couldn't do it in just one quarter. But um, it works pretty well. So I think something I could do on the side, I guess, is finish up that project. Nice. A little side hobby, a little side hustle. So yeah, I always like passion projects that, you know, you can really tie to something that's of interest to you. So um, I'm assuming that you're of Indian descent. Your yes. name seems Indian, but. Um, yeah. And so I think that's a good, like, cultural tie to have something that, you know, you're using both something from your background as well as your new skill set to be able to demonstrate something kind of novel. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, so final question, what mm-hmm. have you been snacking on lately? What's your favorite snacks? <laughs> so far from my favorite literal snack, which is just hot Cheetos. <laughs> um, okay. I would say, um, what I've been snacking on in quarantine is taking walks. Um, that's not something I did before, uh, going to watch the sunset, uh, spending time with family, binging Netflix series, and just mainly practicing music because, that's not something I got time to do much in college. So I've been um, singing a lot and I post music on an Instagram page. If you want to check it out, it's called nice. Severi Music. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's all pretty much. Nice. Well, sorry, I'm going to put all those things in the show notes so people will be able to like blow it up <laughs> and make it like go. I don't know what it goes on. What is that? Um, what's, what is is it like TikTok? Like what is, what is the medium of choice if you're a current musician? Is it like... Is it Spotify uh, or Spotify. Like, yeah? I mean, I listen to music on Spotify mainly. But like when you're publishing, if you put stuff out, you just put. It oh, on I, I put it on Instagram and Instagram, Instagram and YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Instagram, yeah, okay, that's what all the cool kids are doing. So <laughs> I'm not a cool kid anymore. So I'm just trying to catch up and figure out. My son actually, I tried tick. I went on TikTok. I haven't even signed up for an account. I just like put it on my phone <laughs> and I went on it for a day. And my I literally my wife overheard my son and my wife came in. And he's like. He wants to know what's wrong with you, why you like TikTok so much. And I'm just like, I was just on it like for the day because it was just weird and you just kind of get sucked into it. So it's, it's pretty addicting. 
but I think it's only like that one day. I was just like, yeah, this is kind of nonsense and kind of a waste of time, but yeah, it's, cool. it's interesting. Yeah. Different than what, I, my, what I thought it was. So kind of cool. Yeah. I think their algorithm is really interesting though, because nobody can figure it out. And um, I've noticed that every t- that they make one TikTok user viral, maybe one in three. And so you are inclined to use TikTok more. So my very first video was viral. It had like 300,000 views. And after that, a few of my videos went viral, but then they just suddenly stopped becoming viral. So I don't, I don't know how it works. They're trying to get you addicted. And then after that, yeah. once you're hooked, you're just nothing, nothing. To exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's too funny. Yeah. Um, nice. I like it. So we got about a minute left. Um, so we could either end early. You could share something else about something that you're working on. Or you could ask me a question. What would you like to do? Um, yeah. I mean, can you tell us a little bit about your background? I'm sure everyone knows, but I would like to know as well. Sure. So I've been coding for a pretty long time. Um, maybe longer than you've been alive. So um, I've been coding for 32 years. Um, So I started when I was a teenager and did it as a hobby for a really long time until I figured out that I could actually like have a job and get paid to do it. So that was pretty cool. And then I eventually got a CS degree, but I was on like the 10 year plan at San Diego State. So um, at the time, San Diego State was kind of hard to get through in four years, but that's still not an excuse for it taking 10 years. but I did a lot of fun stuff when I was a kid. So I was a DJ when I was in college. So nice. I DJed and like did lots of other random jobs. But software is something that I've always enjoyed writing. And I feel like it allows me to sort of create without having to worry about like, it's not expensive. You can just open up an editor and you can just code. It doesn't cost you anything in raw materials or effort. You just mm-hmm. like, just code away. Um, and now, obviously, I have an opportunity to help lots more people and create opportunities for more women, more people that are of color to be able to transition without necessarily having the four-year college degree, but just having an alternative pathway. Some of them will go back to school eventually or may never get a CS degree, but I feel like there's lots of jobs, in my opinion, that can be done without a CS degree yeah. and that there's a lot of talent in San Diego that could potentially be working inside of shops and adding value to organizations um, mm-hmm. right alongside of people with CS degrees. And frankly, there's just not enough people graduating with CS degrees to be able to fill all the roles that are currently available. So we True. might as well create some alternative paths for, for various people. So it's kind of my Makes thing. Sense. Yeah. Well, that's sure. great. Yeah. Love it. So thanks again for coming on the program. I appreciate it. And I will throw everything else in the show notes. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snack Walls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The Tech Enabled Apprenticeship Program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io. 